Hello, Internet. This is Chase Wassenaar, and welcome to Steam Cleaners, presented by the Rough Drafts Podcast Network. Each week, I and my lovely co-host play some video games, games that we haven't talked about on this show before. And we talk about them here so that you can get our thoughts, feelings, and, and all that that's inside scoop on whether you should or should not give it your time and attention. Uh, and of course, when I refer to my lovely co-host, I am referring to Walter Ciedes Fetchuk. How are you doing, buddy? I am doing decidedly okay. <laughs> I, I will say I'm doing okay. Uh, I'm not doing. I'm not doing bad. I'm not doing. Uh, I'm not doing like amazingly. Uh, you know, it is a. It is a. It's the beginning of February, uh, and we are in the middle of winter, and that is how I am feeling. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is, uh, unfortunately. Very fair. Uh, I, I I feel like, you know, we're all kind of just doing our best in these wintry months to be in a, a decent spot. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're out there and you're like, hey, I'm just I'm just hanging in there. I want you to know that's enough. That's 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 good enough, friends. Um, no, no, Chase. It's Kenneth. That is what my sweatshirt says, uh, and my sweatshirt has never lied. Um, no, I mean sweatshirts are incapable of lying. That's the whole reason that you can't. You're not allowed to sew something into a shirt if it's not true. See, uh, Chase, you say that, but I have a sweatshirt that has, um, let's just say, a former company name and Las Vegas on it, and it doesn't exist anymore. But I still have the sweatshirt. I mean, not existing doesn't make it a lie. It just makes it. Uh, that sounds like a lie. A, a past truth. <laughs> that sounds okay. like a lie. I'm well. I you know what? I'm not equipped to suss that out. So instead, <laughs> uh, I'm going to turn our attention uh, to the professional League of Legends esports side of things um, because we're a couple weeks into the season now across the board, uh, and I'm curious: Have you been watching? Uh, and if so, uh, what team has really stood out to you? I have been watching. I have been watching um, both European and the LCS, although probably more of the LCS than I have the LEC. Uh, I have gotten my my subtle jabs in on Haha Rogue got eliminated before the the winter playoffs. Uh, Odoabe sends his Whoa, my team's bad. No way. What? <laughs> and you? I was so hopeful and optimistic on the last podcast. Oh no! And you were mad when I didn't want you to root for the Bills. <laughs> I look, man. I understand superstition. However, Rogue did that to themselves. There is nothing that I or anyone else could have done that would help or hurt them. That's that's who they are. That's the team that they've built. That's the management that they're choosing to stick with. Like, as someone who used to, you know, appreciate Fly on a personal level because he was very kind to me when I was first starting out in esports, and I do appreciate that. It is so obvious that they need to change, that they need a top-to-bottom re-envisioning of what this team is and what they're working towards, and that they're not willing to even try tells me that, like, I'm just not going to waste my energy getting my hype up this year. They don't care. They're not doing the things that a team that cares would do to get a different result. And I'm not going to fall victim to the definition of insanity. Something that the Bills had nothing that did unconnected. Different problems for sure. 
I'm sure that's what Arthur Blank tells himself when Bill Belichick is sitting across from his desk and he has being reminded of 28 to 3 is a hard time Bill Belichick had to go through. Uh, But I digress. I don't need to make any more Falcons references. How how dare you? We didn't. No no one hired Belichick, okay? Like, sure, Raheem Morris is like the least exciting coach on the planet, but like. He, we got a bunch of people from McVeigh, who I actually think is really uh, a good coach, and also went to my high school. Fun fact: John McVeigh from my high school he was like a few years ahead of me. I think. Anyways, <laughs> um, back, back to esports because I did say we weren't going to talk about football because I didn't want to talk about the Bills because football season is over. I don't care that. Let it's the record still- show who brought it up. I, Let it, the it record show. It was me. It absolutely was me. Uh, but no, I, I really like. I think the reason why I've been watching more of the LCS is just one. Uh, it's back on the weekend, so it's a bit more convenient for me to watch. Uh, and two, I appreciate the change to go to the live patch. Um, I really do. I think that it is the the sort of double down of the LCS and, and Mark Zimmerman kind of being like, look, we know we're not the best region. Um, we know that we are, you know, probably not going to do a whole lot in international competition. Let's be fun, right? Let's do something fun. Let's do something a little wild and crazy. Um, I think we've had some really, really fun and interesting picks. Um, we had a mid lane vein uh, for Jojo Pyun from Cloud9 versus Insanity's mid lane Scion. We've seen Lilia. Like, we've had some just, like, really, really fun games. And it's nice to see, like, the the veteran squad of FlyQuest with Bwipo, Inspired, and Jensen playing with, like, the the like the younger players in Masu and Busio. Um, it is nice to see Team Liquid triple down on their all-Korean roster and APA and it not work out. Um, and it's just, it's just <laughs> been fun. Um, it has just been really fun to watch the LCS again. Um, now that sort of like the shackles of expectations have been lifted off of them. I am sure if you talk to every member on Cloud9 and Jack, they're going, we absolutely want to win MSI. We absolutely want to win Worlds. Like that is our intention. We tried to build the absolute best North American roster that we can. Um, But I do think that as a region, the sort of, mantle of success has been pulled off uh been pulled away from them with the departure of tsm and clg and sort of this legacy that has existed for so long um which is funny because like cloud nine dignitas and team liquid exist right team liquid obviously a descendant of curse gaming which was been around since like season one right uh dignitas descendant of rock solid been around since season one, but Rock Dignitas has been in and out of the LCS so many times, you know, gone are the days that anybody thinks about I'm a cutie pie or crumbs, right? Um, Cloud9 really is the only legacy organization, and the only person there that's still a legacy is Jack. And I, I will say Jack has sort of stepped back. Um, we uh, definitely don't see him being like as... Um, in front active as much as he has in the past. And I just think that's probably just because you're an owner, you have other things to worry about. You got your own family stuff to deal with. Like, I get it. You don't have to be at every single game or on screen at every single time. Um, So it's been refreshing. It it has just been fun to watch with no expectations. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the best way to watch North America, right? Like 
everyone gets themselves in trouble where they start looking at like North American regional success and being like, what could this mean for the big event with all the serious teams? And it's like, no, look, it's, it can be fun, right? I don't watch, um, you know, every team that I watch because they're the best and they bring me the highest quality of games. I, I, there are other things that make me root for the teams that I most care about. Um, and there are plenty of people who like, you know, you know, looking at soccer, right? There are a lot of countries that care about soccer who have never won a World Cup. Like, these are not things that have to contradict each other. Um, So I'm glad that, like, the LCS seems to recognize that now. We'll see what ends up happening. Um, I'm maybe less convinced in the long run that this is going to play out the way that people want it to, but... I do believe, if nothing else, the fact that they can't just wait on other regions to deliver what the meta is, um, is going to go a long way. Because one of the biggest problems that North America's had as a region is that they just play what they know is good because other regions have played it. And if you're a patch ahead of everybody else, you don't know what they think is good yet. You have to try things. And that alone is a really good habit for them to have. Um, So I'm I'm glad to see that. Also, selfishly, glad the Ninjas in Pajamas looks good. Turns out Rookie's really good at this League of Legends thing. And sure, they got O2'd by JDG, but I'm not going to lose sleep over that. Those are the world champions. We get O2'd by the or by a team that is the very capable of, of that caliber of play, and I'm, I'm fine with that. Thank you very much. Um, but, uh, but hey, I... Uh, I'm I'm glad that his team is at least competitive because the idea of watching rookie on a bad Chinese team all year was really worrying me much more than anything with Rogue, a team that I accepted would be bad a long time ago. Um, but you know what, Walter? This is not a LCS or LEC or LPL or any other League of Legends podcast. This is a gaming podcast. Um, and I am very curious to hear what you've been playing this week. So hi, I'm Walter. I'm a League of Legends addict, and I played League of Legends. Uh, nope, still, still not going to talk about <laughs> it. I'm still not at that point. I actually played a fucking video game. Um, yeah. So here's the thing. Remember, I I did a couple of boomer shooters, and I mentioned when I was scrolling through my Epic Gaming library, I saw Quake. Uh, well, this is another game that was in my Epic Gaming library. We might be living in my Epic Gaming library for a little while because I saw a bunch of games that might be fun for me to try. Um, and part of the reasons why I chose this game was it was a little bit shorter game. And I said, hey, I'll bang this out in a day and then I'll have like three and a half weeks to play a game for the very next podcast. And I want you listeners at home to know that with two weeks until we record for the next podcast, I haven't started my game for that podcast yet. So I I love procrastinating. I love doing this to myself. I don't even know what game I'm going to play for the next podcast. So let's just live in the current moment. Uh, but anyways, so I, I was looking around and I'd been reading all these kind of descriptions for different games and just like what looked appealing when I scrolled over and it kind of showed a trailer. And I stumbled upon Adios. Um, Adios is a, uh, a cinematic first person game, kind of similar to like a Firewatch. Uh, where you are a pig farmer and you have decided uh, to uh, quit your job being a pig farmer 
uh, because your pigs are have been used by the mob to dispose of bodies, and you have decided you no longer want to do that. Yeah. That's it. That's the game. That that's what it is. It's <laughs> it, it, listen. It, it's it's that simple. It's you're a pig farmer in Kansas. And on this October morning, you've decided you no longer want to be a body disposal mechanism for the mob. Yeah, it is. I, so I've played Adios. Uh, I played it a while back and I thought about doing this one for the podcast and I didn't. Uh, so this is going to be really interesting because I'm curious if you ran into the same elements that I did. Um, and I want to start out by saying, like, I follow Doc Squiddy on, on Twitter. He's the, the game dev here. I think he has a lot of really interesting threads about game design and, and how he views the industry as a whole. So uh, I want to make it clear that everything I'm going to say in this next section has nothing to do with him uh, or on, you know, what I think about his uh, talent as a whole. Um, you know, I, I was glad to buy the game and uh, to support him and, and his future endeavors. But, uh, yeah, let's, let's just get into what were you expecting heading into it? Uh, and what did you kind of start getting out of it as soon as you, you kind of started this, this very narrative, um, almost walking simulator style of game? I had no fucking idea. (laughs) I really had no idea. It was the premise, right? It was that premise Mm -hmm. of a pig farmer decides he no longer wants to dispose of bodies for the mob. What follows is a discussion between him and his would-be killer. And it looks like it was made in Unity. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? Where did I get this? How did I get this? It must have been like a weekly, you know, a free weekly game or something from Epic. And just that premise in in its entirety made me go like, okay, let me let me like give this a shot. How long is this game? Oh, it's like, you know, a couple hours. All right, cool. Let me just give it a shot. See if I like it. See, see what's going on. Um, and I, it, it's easy. It's easy to play a game when you have no expectations, right? It's easy to go into it and be like, I don't know what the point of this game is, so let me give it a shot. And at its core, it is. It is a it is a walking simulator with some mild um, interaction with the environment um, and like narrative dis- narrative decision making, right? You are responding to uh, dialogue that is coming to you from this mob boss. Um, and you guys, you talk about like a variety of things, right? You, you talk about like quitting your job. Essentially, you talk about like all the hobbies, the chores that you have on the farm, right? The mob boss like sticks around because he doesn't want you to quit. So he's like, well, if I spend the day with you and we talk, we'll just talk through it, right? This is just that it was a bad day and you're tired and I get it, but like, let's just talk it out. Um, because I think, I think we all know from watching John Wick, you don't quit the mob, right? You, you just don't. You're not allowed to just quit. Um, so it was like, it was just kind of like a fascinating, like, huh, I wonder what this is. Um, and, and I don't know, like, I, it's kind of funny to me that you have already played this game and you have some, some like thoughts and some notions about it. Um, because I don't, I still don't know what I think about this game afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, it's an interesting one, right? Because from it is very much a, a narrative experience more than it is a pure video game, right? There's not a lot of 
agency that your character has to affect where the plot ultimately goes, um, which is kind of what we, we use to define the walking simulator genre, though uh, whether or not that's fair is something that could be hotly contested by people who have much stronger opinions about that distinction than I do. Um, but, you know, you have this guy who's clearly gotten in over his head and the secrets that he has had to carry with that has alienated it himself from his son, uh, which is something that clearly weighs on him. Uh, and this is the inevitable conclusion of wanting to quote unquote fix that. So I guess given that, right? Like, do you think that the story as it was presented landed with you? Do you think it was, was it effective? Were you, did, did you feel like you understood where the character was coming from and his motivations and the decision that he ultimately makes by the game's end? I think this game does a very good job at giving you bits and pieces at a time, right? And, and individually going like, here's this bit of information. It gives you a little bit more context, right? I would say it is sort of like uh, if you take the aperture on a camera, right? And you pinpoint it, right? You, you get it down to a little pinprick. And then as you go through each, you know, dialogue tree or each scene, the aperture opens up a little bit more. So you're getting a larger and larger and larger picture. You know, as we said at the start, you're quitting your job, right? You're quitting your job being a disposal mechanism for the mob's kills, essentially, and you aren't given initial context. You're just saying, oh, I just want to quit. I'm just tired of it. I don't want to do it anymore. And then you kind of get to this point of where he's talking is like, well, I, I need to do something good in my life because I feel like all I've done is bad. Right. And it is that sort of come to uh, come to Jesus moment, essentially, of like, well, am I going to go to heaven or hell? Right. Um, his wife, we learn, is gone. Right. His life, his wife presumably has passed away. Um, and there is this like concern of like, am I going to see her again in the afterlife? And everything that I have done, is that going to prevent me from doing these things? And I do think that is very like kind of interesting because it is this much larger discussion, not about just quitting working for the mob, but it is this larger discussion about mortality, right? And death. And the inevitability of death and what consequences your life may have on your eventual passing, right? And it is not as simple as do I go to heaven or hell because I've done good or bad things, right? There are far, much farther reaching implications here based on his actions. And, and I am going to say I do think it is very difficult to talk about this game without inherently spoiling some things. Um, so if this game does sound interesting to you at all, and you want to play like a couple hour of kind of like a, a walking simulator with some narrative decision-making, um, now would be a good time to like pause and, and go ahead a little bit further and listen to what Chase talked about this week. Um, because I, I do think that sort of adding additional information through dialogue and through the variety of scenes really opens up this game. And whether it hits home for what it's trying to discuss or not, I think is a very like person to person basis. Yeah, it's 
it, it is interesting um, to kind of get an idea of how this particular dev approaches the story, right? Um, and I, I think there's the point that works best for me is the moment where he calls his son. Yes. Uh, and there are multiple choice options that you were given, but several of the buttons when you hit them don't actually give you that dialogue option. And I think there's an immediate instinct, right? And and this is really, I think, the thing that tells you whether this is going to be your kind of game. Because there are going to be people who are used to playing role-playing games and used to having full agency over their character who are going to say, well, that's bullshit. It gave me an option. It told me that I could click this thing. And I clicked it, and it didn't let me do it. And that's bullshit. Um, and then there are going to be the other people who say, oh, this is a statement that, like, narratively, he is not capable of saying these things. He is not capable of telling his son these things that he really would want to tell him and might be on his mind because he is the kind of person that has closed himself off such that it is impossible for him to, um, to get to the level of emotional vulnerability that would be necessary to have that conversation. Um, and that's a really powerful moment, right? Like that's character building in a way that only a video game can do. How did you feel about the other bits of this game as a video game? Because to kind of foreshadow my thoughts on it, um, I, I think that people, when you look at the reviews, really come down on either side of this should have been a game versus this should have been a short story. I think that with any walking simulator, there is a, your mileage may vary um, in terms of, is it a video game or is it not a video game? Um, and some of it has to, again, it's, it's personal preference, right? Is this more, is this less of a video game than say Firewatch? Um, yes, sure. I will say it is less of a video game than Firewatch. Well, why? What is that distinction? And your argument can be, well, like Firewatch, you have a much larger map. You have more freedom to kind of like explore this map and kind of go whatever direction you want to. And you can double back over things and there's like secrets and you can stumble across other areas that you weren't supposed to, you know, earlier in the game. And then when you go back to it because it's part of the story, you're like, oh my God, uh, you know, that's where that thing was. And I can't believe like I, I was here earlier. Um, you know, it's a much longer game. It's, you know, probably like eight hours long where this is very easily doable in like two, um, Again, it's like it's such a personal preference thing about what are you looking for. If you are looking for Call of Duty, this is not fucking Call of Duty. If you're just looking for like a narrative experience and you're like, yeah, I, it's a choose your own adventure novel, right? But instead of it being a book and instead of flipping back and forth between multiple pages, your options are presented physically to you and you can move to them. And you get to choose dialogue options again instead of going from page 13 to 45 or from 13 to 55 or whatever. Um, 
and again as someone that like went into this with no expectations not understanding what the game was about or anything like yeah it's a video game it is a it is a you know dimension design space there is storytelling elements there are controls there are exploratory options and the map does get larger as the story progresses um there is a part later on where you go fishing and it opens up a a pond or a lake that's on your property that you couldn't have accessed earlier um, and then you make your way back and you're like, okay, well, that's all I, all there was, right? It's that you just walk from where this fishing point was back to your house. But there is something to be said about that point of the game, adding the the traveling, right? Adding that going from point A to point B that now matters more than did earlier on in the game, right? You didn't need to just aimlessly wander around. Um, if you were expecting like crazy gameplay or anything, that's not this game. This game is more about the narrative experience and some little tips and like little tricks inside the narrative with your interactions that give you pause and make you think. Um, in particular, there's a scene where you go to feed your horse, right? And, um, the, the mob boss goes well why do you have a horse and your character goes well every farm should have a horse and he's like well what do you mean and there's this this ongoing dialogue and then there's a moment where your character says well isn't he beautiful and the mob boss is like what are you talking about it's a fucking horse and you stop talking to the mob boss and talk to the horse directly and go he doesn't understand um and that to me was like a really poignant scene because there is something about like I don't want to say like the farm lifestyle, but kind of like that being out on your own kind of away from society and, you know, growing your own food or taking care of animals or things like that, that I will say has become very appealing to me in the last few years. Um, There is something that like, I, I very much, you know, probably five, 10 years ago was like, I want to live in a suburb with, uh, you know, a pool and like this big, you know, I don't want to say McMansion because not McMansion, but like, you know, 2,500 square feet, four bedrooms, like the American suburban white, cl- uh, white middle class dream. And now that I've gotten older, I'm more of a like, can I just get like three acres out in the middle of the woods and only talk to people when I go into town? Like, can I do that instead? Like, I don't need a giant house, <laughs> but I'd like some land away from everybody. Um, And there is something that's like very approachable about that aspect of the character that you're playing and then you learn what it cost him and it cost him his family right it cost him his morals it cost him his ethics and here he is at you know the last gasps essentially of his life trying to find some way to redeem himself um not just in the eyes of the Lord, theoretically, but like in the eyes of his family and his son, uh, because when you have that phone conversation with your son, your son is, is angry at you. And the reason he's angry at you is because you put his mother into a nursing home because she had Alzheimer's. Right. Right. And it is very defensible uh, to be like, well, I couldn't take care of her. Right. Like she's an Alzheimer's patient. Like, and that is something that a lot of older people struggle with, with their partners when they have dementia problems is like, I can't handle this by myself. 
and it's do you put them into a, a, a you know a care facility to take care of them do you bring in a home house aid do you you know have a family member that moves in because at some point you can't handle it yourself and you as a character try to defend yourself and be like well i go to vi- i went to visit her i went to visit her and your son is like yeah but not every day right you weren't there every single fucking day Right. And there were days where she cried for you constantly before and like cried until she fell asleep for you. And all you cared about was being a rich pig farmer, uh, which there's an earlier line that's like, you don't get rich being a pig farmer like you don't. Right. You got rich because the mm-hmm. mom paid you to dispose bodies. So there is this like interesting nuance that is sort of woven into the story where like, yeah, could it have been a short story? Absolutely. Could it have been like a 35 minute black mirror episode? Absolutely. But I do think it fits as a video game. medium. I mean, so this is my problem with it. And I, I I say this as someone who again, and really wanting to like this game, right? Because I, I like, the idea of this game quite a bit my problem is that everything that is related to it being a video game was very clunky to experience um and not just graphically the graphics are not where games from 2021 on average were but like whatever right i i'm very much in the like i want games with worse graphics um you know made you know more you know in a, in a more human centric capacity like that's that's fine to me, but like the the making the last dinner was the one that really stood out to me is just like maneuvering through the world was really not pleasant like it wasn't it wasn't a clean gameplay experience. I felt like the game was getting in the way of me experiencing the story, and it, it's why I was left thinking like this would be better as a short story or this would be better as an audiobook because I think the writing is solid. Like I, I think there's some good stuff and some good themes going on there, but I feel like the gameplay elements that were there hurt as much as they helped. I, I think certainly like the decision-making, like the, the like grayed out voice options were like a powerful way to present that information. But every other thing I had to do that involved me engaging with my controller felt like I was fighting the game to get it done. And I don't know uh, if that's purposeful or not, but compared to even other walking simulators, I found it to be a pretty unpleasant play experience. Um, I think that's, I, I think I that's fair. Know if, yeah, like, I, like I, I, I'd be curious, I guess, where you end up on it, because obviously, like, there's not a ton to talk about beyond what you've described. You've described the plot. You know where these characters are. You know what drives them and, and what, um, you know, motivates these individual moments. And, and I, I think we both agree on the, the things that the game does best. But the question is, does it create a cohesive package that makes you say, like, yes, other people should definitely go play this. I'm happy to recommend it. Well, here's the thing. For $18, um, Probably not. Um, probably not for that price. And like I said, I'm not sure how exactly I got it. I don't know if it was a humble bundle. I, I'm going to assume that it was probably a you know free week on Epic type thing. Um, I think 
looking at like the developer, right? Clicking on the developer on Steam and seeing that it's the only game listed underneath that developer. And and I don't follow the developer on Twitter, so you may have to correct me on this. This feels like a first published game, right? This feels like a really good idea and a developer really wanting to tell the story and then building the video game around it, right? This very easily could have just been like text base, right? It could have been, uh, you know, uh, uh, visual novel-esque, right? It didn't have to have the movement, uh, you know, going from place to place. It didn't need to have the cooking mini game-ish thing at the end, uh, which I also agree was quite confusing. I didn't really know what I was supposed to do. Um, and then I put an entire burrito in the, in the stew that I was making. And it, that part was very confusing. I will give you that. Um, but I think the story is good and the packaging that it is, it's in is very much a like first pub, you know, first developer published game type thing, right? It is not the prettiest wrapping job on the outside, um, but I think what's in the narrative that's in here is is decent, right? It's it's a decent narrative, and it does make you think about the impressions that we can leave on people. Um, you know, the differing points of view that people can have about us. That you can go from talking to the very nice neighbor that is like, "Oh, you need to come with us to the carnival next," you know, the the fall carnival next weekend if you're back in time, and you know, it's just very very polite to you and is saying, "Oh yeah, me and my husband, we should talk to you more," and, and yada yada. And then you know, the difference between talking to your son that's like, "Fuck you, you put my mother in a home, you can go fuck yourself," when the reality is, is you're calling to try and say goodbye. Um. I think that's very poignant. I think that's very interesting. And, you know, despite the personal level that you get in with the mob boss, um, at the end of the day, the mob is not something you quit. And he shoots you stone cold dead. That's fair. I, you know, I... It's a game I wanted to like a lot more than I did. And I think that's the reason I never talked about it on the podcast. It's because... I want to like it. I want to support games like it. I believe that stories like that deserve to be told and deserve to be told in gaming specifically. Because far too often we don't make room for these kinds of stories. Um, but I, unfortunately, I, I never came around on it. The The things that I liked about it... Um, did not outweigh the things I was frustrated with. Um, and so I just kind of left it there. I am curious. Do you find, you know, final thoughts? Um, if, if it's on sale, I guess, because you said at full price, you weren't willing to go. You, you, you would struggle with it. But um, is there a, a point at which you're like, yes, go, go play this. This is absolutely worth your time. I mean, I think if you get it for like five bucks, sure. Um, I, I do feel a little guilty about that sometimes when it, it, it is like a fresh developer and, you know, it's like the first game or second game. It does feel like the the pricing sometimes is like to let them work on their second game, right? Or their third game. Um, and I, I do want to see more from this developer. Like, it would be very fascinating to see, you know, this game was, develop, uh, was released in March of 2021. Like, 
where where are they now right what does a game from them look like right now have they had another idea that is as interesting a story as this and have they improved upon their actual game making acumen or did they do this and they realize like oh man making a game is really fucking difficult and i'm a good storyteller and i could write a good story but i need somebody to do all the other stuff around it so maybe they went and now they work for some you know some other developer and that they're a lead narrative designer or something like that um but yeah i like if you can get it for five bucks sure yeah it's worth a shot um it's a couple hours long you know there's a bunch of achievements if you want to try 100 percent it you can make all the different types of food i guess but uh for me this was a this was a one and done playthrough and um i'm glad i played it it was definitely interesting and i'm glad it caught my eye and you know, I spent the couple hours with it that I did. I will tell you, because um, I follow this guy um, quite a bit, um, and I can tell you the name of his next game is Waifu Death Squad. Huh. So, well, okay then. Um, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Waifu we'll, we'll, Death Squad. We will see indeed. I, yeah. <laughs> I I'm glad you played it. And I'm glad you enjoyed it enough to to want to talk about it on this kind of show, um, because I I think there is um, it, it's a very interesting one. And I'd be very curious what people who listen to the podcast have played it come down on it because it is a game I wanted to love. I really did, um, and I think it connected with you maybe a little bit more than it connected with me at the time. But I'm certainly very interested to see how waifu death squad ends up well with that being said chase and it, it is it's funny when we do come across games that we both have played um it's nice to have a little bit more of a kind of a back and forth and a sounding board uh but with that being said you told me you played a couple of games this week um and you know knowing you it's definitely not something like totally ridiculous like i don't know lewd gym or anything right like you would never play yeah. anything that ridiculous Sure, let's get that out of the way. I look. I told myself after the last time I did a a uh, R R R rated. I guess like eighteen plus. What do you what do you call these porn games? Right. I guess just porn games. Porn games. You I, call I, them a porn. I game. said. I guess that's fair. I, I said after being a dick that I, like I wasn't going to do this on the podcast because I uh, am, am I went to Catholic school for twelve years and I feel a deep amount of shame. Anytime I admit, I acknowledge that I have a sexual thought uh, to any human being. So I, I I went back and forth on whether I would talk about this one. But look, I'll, I'll, here's the, the long and short of it. Um, it is a roguelike and it is almost a card game. And so I played it because I figured that, hey, um, a whole bunch of uh, attractive female characters, roguelike. Uh, built around like orgasm control like fuck it why not give it a shot right it had very positive reviews came out towards the end of last year uh had been in my recommended feed and i was willing to come with it on this journey i gotta tell you it wasn't the the porn stuff that turned me off though i will say uh the person who made this game is much more into feet than i am and if you are someone who is into that you may get more mileage out of this game than i did that alone might be worth the entry price for you but that wasn't what turned me astray i i you know whatever everyone has their things and you know the 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 problem i had with this game is that the roguelike just isn't that interesting like the way it works is that you have 
multiple types of cards, essentially. You start with a power, uh, and that power is something that uh, changes the way that you can play. Maybe it allows you to skip a turn, but if you do, you get a whole bunch of extra cards that you can play next time around. Or maybe it allows you to recreate the effect of your strongest card at like a 1.5 times modifier or something like that. You've got a limited amount of stamina and you have to make the most of it. Um, and you'll have, uh, you know, kind of muscle cards that are meant to correspond to certain muscle groups that you're working out at this sex gym, essentially, uh, that each has different trainers that work out different muscles and those muscles change as you level up with those individual trainers. Uh, and you have like energy drinks that usually give you some sort of advantage, allow you to play more cards in a turn, um, but at the cost of uh, some penalty. Either maybe you don't get to play things next turn, or maybe you, um, uh, uh, you know, just uh, take a, a, a penalty, like an extra 10% of, of damage. Uh, and by damage, of course, I mean closeness to orgasming, because the rules of this gym are that you're only allowed to orgasm after five straight days of successful workouts with all of these people who are very much working out uh, your uh, sex organ as much as any other part of your body, um, which I guess as far as a premise for a game is as good as any. Uh, <laughs> you can do worse, I guess. Um but ultimately, the problem is it's just not very deep. There aren't that many powers that did not take... I only played this game for like an hour, and I've already repeated powers multiple times. Um, the redraw mechanic makes it pretty consistent on getting the muscle groups that you need for a particular uh, match. And honestly, there's an entire like type of upgrade path that's entirely worthless because it's all temporary buffs when there are permanent buffs that are available to you um, that basically just increase that muscle's group's effectiveness, and you'll need that to pass through a variety of different challenges and make it to the end. Um, it, it's, a, it's a kind of a cute concept, certainly. Um, the idea of framing a roguelike around orgasm control is something that like is fun to play around with, and I do like a good roguelike, but there's just not enough strategy in it to make me want to play it over other porn games that actually have some real mechanics behind it, um, which is, I guess, to some people going to be a weird thing to say about a porn game. Like, is that really the point, Chase? But like, there's a lot of porn out there, guys. Like, if you don't enjoy the game mechanics, I don't know why you're playing. That's that's kind of where I come down on it, I guess. Does any of that make sense to you, or am I? Uh, should I have? Should the Catholic part of me that didn't want to talk about this game have stepped in before it was too late? Listen, I don't think you should ever let the Catholic part of you out in public. Um, I am notorious <laughs> for saying that. Um, I won't say anything else because I I don't want to like I don't want to make fun of your religion. Like I don't want to do that. Mm. But um, it, it, oh, I don't believe anymore. It just there's the shame never leaves. The shame. <laughs> The, you, you do that for 12 to 14 years of your life, and it does not matter if you no longer believe. It just, it never goes it away. Really it never goes it really is a fucking cult. It never goes away. It's religion is oh, a cult. Yeah, so, 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 side point. My dad, when I went to confirmation when I was 16, which is a thing that I didn't really have a choice in doing because of the school I was at and my mom and grandpa being who they were, um, my dad turned to my, my Grammy as we were about to head over to confirmation, and he said, and I quote, 
I've always wanted to see a cult in action, um, <laughs> which is not wrong. He also called communion the holy cookie, which I've always appreciated. So. I mean, that shout is, out to my dad for both of those. That is absolutely brilliant. That is that is by far the uh, the the best way to refer to that. God the damn. holy cookie uh, but, but like yeah. that being said like no the thing i actually want to make fun of you about is like only you could complain about the game mechanics not being like intense enough in a game that you're supposed to only play with one hand so i would just like to say you know round of applause to you uh and to quote the great dan freeze you're a nerd i mean yeah of course i am that was never in doubt i just Look, in a world in which games like Mirror and Hoonie Pop exist, right? Like, there are porn games out there that also have, like, stories and, like, in-depth characters and are trying to be a game in addition to being... A, like, th- like this was a chance. This was an opportunity to have a roguelike porn game. And I know there are some people out there who are going to be saying, Chase, Monster Tamer exists, and who knows? Maybe I'll play that for another time. Um, but for now, I, I, I just, I'm disappointed. I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. Um, so the good news is that that's certainly not the only thing I was playing. Um, uh, also I, I meant Tamer Veil, not Monster Tamer, just in case anyone gets mad at me. Um, but no, that wasn't the only game I was playing. And, uh, it's certainly not the best game I was playing over this last couple of weeks because I also played forward escape the fold ultimate edition so do you know anything about this game Ed? i know absolutely nothing about it other than when i googled it it said mobile game and i was confused yeah so it is a mobile game among other games it's really quite simple right you play as one of many different characters you've got a black knight you've got edward who's kind of this like fiery uh, you know, knight character, Silence, the rogue, Azerti, who's like this robot guy, um, Anubis, who who is very much focused on gold and, and gold-related bonuses, Hector, who is all about cooking. Um, he actually turns mysterious eggs that he runs into into omelets, which boost his health and give him uh, a bunch of other bonuses. Um and each character has three different skills that they can use. So each time you beat uh, the game with one of the basic skills, you unlock one of the other skills. Uh, each character has their own like starting items, which will consist of uh, either cursed items or um, you know positive items. So they all play a little bit differently. Um, you know, Edward, the main, the first character you unlock, just has an apple which heals you at the beginning of each level. But you'll get things like Silence, who uh, has the ability to um, move around uh, and kind of jump from one side of the board to the other. Um, or is, actually, I think that's... Um, uh, oh, yeah. And then you have, like, the Fade, which is, like, this, like, druid character uh, that has agility boots. So you can move side to side in addition to just moving forward, um, which allows you to get multiple different bonuses if you stack your movements correctly. Um, so every class feels different. They all have like a different starting way of playing the game that changes the way that you approach the cards in front of you. These cards, of course, containing the standard things. Your mana potions allow you to use your skills. Healing potions to recover health. Shield to give you 
that kind of secondary health system similar to what you would see in Hearthstone with the warrior class, right? Shield comes down first, then your health. Um, gold so that you can buy items. And if you kill an enemy before they attack you, because enemies will always attack you if you get within their vision range, uh, then you can get skulls that can also be used to purchase really nice items. Um, and you, you unlock these characters kind of over time uh, using various different uh, methods, right? Uh, a lot of times it's like playing the game as the previous character you unlocked and going through this particular area uh, in order to, you know, this kind of like special side adventure in order to uh, unlock the next one. Uh, but there are also challenges that you can defeat, and that gets you a character. Uh, there's also, uh, if you complete all the achievements in this game, there's a, a character that I've never seen and probably will never see, but, you know, it's cool that that exists. Um, if you 100%, you get a whole new character to play around with. That's pretty cool. Um, and there are different challenges and things that you can give yourself thanks to the achievement system, right? Um, you know, uh, the achievements aren't actually tracked within the Steam client itself, but in-game it is. And you'll have things like, you know, hoarding a whole bunch of gold or uh, getting your health to a certain insanely high level. Things like that. Um, the thing that really makes this game different is that the results are immediate, right? Um, you'll see monsters in front of you alongside all those positive cards. And of course, things like poison as well that does damage over time. Um, and monsters can all inflict status effects on you as well that affect your way to uh, engage with the game. Something like blindness prevents your ability to actually see certain bonuses. You don't know whether the shield is like one or eight um, because it's completely uh, just a question mark to you. So you can't decide optimally where it is you need to go. Um, and because each class is different, you're kind of constantly being forced to push forward in the best way that you can, trying to take into account the specific items that you've gathered over time, either because you start with them or because you've unlocked them over the course of the levels um, through various chests and, and different ways of earning things. Um, but there aren't, like, cards to play, right? You're just moving your way constantly forward up the path and picking the best route that you can um, and hoping that that's good enough. So, Chase, what what makes this roguelike unique from all other roguelikes? Because from what you were what you were telling me, it, it feels very similar to a lot of card game kind of deck builder uh, builder roguelikes. Like, what really makes it stand out? It's not a deck builder. Okay. There's no deck. Okay. You're not playing cards. Okay. You're running into cards and reacting to them as best you can, uh, which means you can beat an entire run in like 20 minutes. Like it's a very fast game if you want it to be one. There's not a lot of like necessarily choices to make. You're only ever presented with one of three options. And if you're on the far left or the far right side, you can't go to the far other side. You can only go in an immediate diagonal, So uh, unless you have a character that allows you to do otherwise. Um, so you're constantly just trying to have to um, make immediate decisions. Um, you know, there's a path ahead of you, and it has enough mana potions to get you the item that you need, but you're going to take a lot of damage, and you know the boss is coming up, and if you don't deal enough damage to the boss or have enough shielding and health to protect you from the boss, you're just going to die. 
There's no outmaneuvering. There's no outstrategering, right? Like you either have the skills and you have the, the stats and you have the abilities that allow you to beat the thing or you don't. And if you don't, you're going to die. And then you just start over again. It's the reason that it's a mobile game and, and I'm sure a very successful one because it doesn't require a lot of time or deep thinking or strategy. There certainly is strategy behind it, right? All the different items have different abilities and, you know, there are cursed items that might give you an advantage at the cost of a severe drawback of some kind. Like there are multiple different ways that you can engage with it and the puzzle changes a bit, but it's the same puzzle always. You have to move forward. Which path do you take? It's a very streamlined experience and you're not playing cards. You don't have to worry about a draw or whatever else. Your results are really clearly defined, right? You may not know what the path looks like four steps ahead, five steps ahead, depending on the character you're playing. You might only be able to see one row in front of you. Like That's a thing you might have to work around. But you are always making the most out of the choices that you see available to you. And those things are known. You know exactly how much damage you can do. You know exactly how much damage is going to be done to you. Uh, and, and really you're not even the one doing, you know, mostly it's just like a game of war almost, right? Where you're comparing your number to their number and seeing which number is highest. Um, unless you like get a sword card that allows you to do indirect damage and lower their overall strength. Um, so it's very straightforward. It's very clean. Um, and that kind of play experience, if you're someone who likes roguelikes, but feels like the, like, options out there are more detailed than you want or you know maybe like require you know you're looking for something to play at the end of a stressful work day and you don't really want to think too hard but you want to have that roguelike experience this game gives you that it is as a streamlined and immediate call to that experience as it is capable of having just go forward so with it being that streamlined, right, and that kind of simple, do you find that it lacks in other areas and that it's missing something that those other roguelikes have that makes them better? Or maybe maybe it's just that this is just different. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely stuff that gets cut, right, to make something as streamlined as this. Um, I think one of them is just like the variety in how different paths go, right? There are only so many different types of resources that are available, and you're going to see magic items and things really recycle very quickly. There's only so many options available to you, and in most cases, there is an objectively correct answer based on the class that you have. And that answer may change based on the class that you have, right? If you have the silence and you've got an invisibility cloak that says that um, as long as you don't have a shield, enemies won't attack you. You might take a magic item that drops shield cards in favor of other types of cards, right? That's a perfectly reasonable, rational response. But you're not usually going to find a lot of uses for certain cards beyond that, right? It feels like a lot of magic items were made with a specific type of character in mind. Like Monster Guts is a great example. Monster Guts is a card that says instead of getting a heart, which gives you a straight up life point, uh, you can get an egg, which when you get three of them, gives you a straight up life point. 
And you'll play a lot of the game being like, why would I want to make my character worse? And then you get to Hector, who is the guy who has the cooking trait um, and immediately has ways of making uh, every egg that much stronger. Um, and it's like, oh, well, that I mean, obviously, that's the thing you take this for. That's the guy that does the egg things that make all of this worth doing. Um, but yeah, you're, you're going to have certain characters that maybe feel more fleshed out than others. Um, I actually haven't been in the game with the main character yet because he just has that basic apple and his power is very easy to understand for new players, but honestly pretty weak. Um, but I've been it with almost everybody else at least once. Um, and with some of them, I've been it twice because there are some characters that are just straight up real stupid, really easy to break because there just aren't enough cards in the pool to stop you from pulling off certain combos very consistently. Um, whether that's a problem to you or not depends on how much you're trying to get out of it. Like, it's not trying to be a two-hour Slay the Spire style of game where there are all these unseen connections that you could potentially make to make a build that is unlike any you've ever experienced before. It's not trying to be that, and it is not that. Um, but if you want an experience that gets you exactly what you need within 30 minutes, I think it does that really, really well. Gotcha. So it, it definitely sounds like if you are looking for a roguelike that is less time intensive than Slay the Spire, Monster Train, things like that, that this is a convenient option. Mm -hmm. uh, and the fact that it's mobile also... Uh, could potentially give you something to do while you're, uh, let's say, on the bus. I would say, and this is my recommendation, because I do recommend this game, Forward Escape the Fold is to the Slay the Spires of the world as Marvel Snap is to the Hearthstones of the world, right? Sometimes you want a game that's maybe a little bit more simple, but that is more digestible and easier to fit into your schedule. I don't have time to spend one and a half to two hours on a Slay of the Spire run for a game that I've played a whole bunch and feel like I've gotten everything that I need to out of. But I can finish a forward Escape the Fold run real quick um, and feel like I got a complete experience and then I'm happy with the run that I made. Um, and it's so easy to just start over, get in that one more run loop. Um, is it the deepest game ever? No, but it doesn't have to be to be satisfying. Um, and I do think that the different classes available do just enough with the different powers that are just different enough that you can make every run feel a little bit different. Um, at least until you win with the skill. I imagine if you've been the game once with that character and power, then you probably won't have as much fun doing that exact same combination again, unless you just like beating up on some computers. But the game's not meant for that. The game's meant to give you that initial challenge and you figure out the puzzle and then you move on to the next one. And for that, it does exactly what it needs to do. And hopefully, the podcast has given you exactly what you need uh, to know whether any of these games are worth your time. Uh, as always, you can find me at Chase Wassenaar on the Twitter or chasewassenaar.bsky.social um, if you want to talk to me about any of the games that we talked about today. Uh, Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? 
Yeah, as always, you guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL or at C80s.bsky.social. Uh, you can find the podcast at Rough Draft Pod on Twitter or at Rough Draft Podcast.bsky.social. Uh, you can also listen to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice, either on the independent feeds, that is the Steam Cleaners and Final Cut feeds, or on the combined Rough Draft Podcast feed. Absolutely. Um, come back. Well, I should say, um, if you uh, enjoy wrestling and you enjoyed the uh, well, Wild uh, Claw uh, episode of Final Cut that we did recently, Iron Claw, Iron Claw. Excuse me. I um, uh, if you enjoyed those things, uh, you should definitely be paying attention. Twitch.tv/slash/RedshirtKing. Uh, we've got a Journey of Wrestling League with myself, Xander, Eduardo, and Walter. Um, that's been a whole bunch of fun. Uh, and that I highly recommend people come check out those streams. Uh, it's been a grand old time, uh, and it's uh, really fun to get to see people flex their creative muscles from time to time. So um, if, if that sounds like the kind of thing that would be fun for you, uh, come give that a shot, see us there, and uh, uh, hopefully uh, you enjoy it as much as we do, because it's, it's been a grand old time. But for now... Uh, until we come back in two weeks with two completely different games. Goodbye, Internet.